I really love to see uh, John at his home because um, that's really where he ministers powerfully and his, and his, his spreading of the kingdom starts. Um, and the other thing I like when I visit John's home is um, it's in Kalihi, so I often hear chickens. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, my next door neighbor, he raises chickens. Um, and I think that's such a fun thing, me being, you know, part Filipino. It makes me feel at home. So, uh, and it's really important for me that speakers feel relaxed when they come here, you know. So I decided to wear my chicken shirt for you, John. Mm. So you can feel at home in Kalihi. And uh, if anybody would like to, um, you know, in the middle of the sermon, especially if you, you know, then I'm sure it would make him feel relaxed and at home. So just give you permission to do that. Thank you, TJ. Uh, that's great comedy before we discuss what many people consider to be one of the most controversial subjects uh, for Christians, which is the idea of submission. I think it's probably up there with, you know, the, the trauma that we sometimes feel as Christians as we talk about uh, homosexuality or as we talk about abortion. It's a, it's a hard subject. And... Um, I just want to obviously say I no, I'm no biblical authority. Uh, I'm just a guy who's going to be sharing some thoughts. And uh, I'm going to share some stories. The other thing I want to obviously say is that in the passage, you hear uh, references to women. Obviously, I'm not a woman. You also will hear references to slaves. Obviously, I've never been a slave. You'll hear uh, Paul addressing also... Um, children, and obviously I was a child, and since it's Mother's Day, I would like to sh start with one story about my beloved mother. I grew up in kind of an interesting situation and an interesting family. When I was six weeks old, my father passed away from cancer, so I never knew him. I had three older siblings who were uh, fantastic people and a very brave mother whose goal in life was to stay at home and be a stay-at-home mother. And that was what she was going to do, and she was a strong believer, as was my father, and unfortunately, cancer took him. And so I was kind of born into that situation. The chaos of her going back to school because she realized, oh, I have to get a job. Um, the chaos of all of that pain, and how I was born six weeks after, like before his death. So, you know, in some ways I symbolized that, that season of life. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I have so many stories about my childhood, but one of my favorite stories about my very brave, thank you, <laughs> my br very brave, very powerful mother was when I was a little kid and I woke up in the night and what I would always do is I would always go to her room and find her. And that was, that was the thing, right? A little kid, you're scared at night. I woke up with, I mean, I, I grew up with, you know, a bit of trauma at this idea of the reality of death and things like that that the world isn't always great, that hard things happen. And I woke up one night and I was very scared and I find my way to my mother's room and she's not there and I'm freaking out. I'm maybe five, maybe four, I'm not sure, very young, one of my earliest memories. And then I see that the light is on in the living room and I hear this music coming down the hallway. And I remember kind of creeping down because I didn't want to interrupt what was happening. And my mom is there, her shoulder is kind of on the guitar, her head's on the guitar, she's playing a song. 
She loved to write music. She has her Bible open. She has her journal open. She's writing some song. And I decided I didn't need to say anything. I just sat there, kind of in the shadow, the in-between between the darkness and the, and the light of that room where I could just hear her song kind of flowing over me. And I just sat there and I just thought, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine in life because I have a, a brave, true, powerful mother and uh, who, who wields her faith. You know, she wakes up in the night when she's scared and troubled and she writes a song to God of faith. And it was a powerful, uh, formational moment for me as a four-year-old. I didn't talk to her. I just wandered back down the hallway, got in my bed, didn't even need to turn on the light like I usually would just to make sure there was no evil thing in my room and I fell asleep uh, secure. I wanted to start with that. I, I didn't know it would have so much emotion behind it um, because obviously I want you to know that whenever we preach, we preach from who we are and what we've experienced. You know, I'm not some like seminary person. I'm just a guy who's walked through this life believing in Jesus. And so that's where I preach from and that's where I speak from. So I want you to know a little bit of my background as we talk about some, you know, uh, passages that oftentimes cause some women to be very stirred up and even some men to be very stirred up. Let's look at our scripture. Ephesians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as, Christ submits, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their own body just as Christ does the church. Obviously, healthy people don't hate their own body, just to clarify that. We know some people who do hate their, their own body, but that would be unhealth. Paul right here is talking about a healthy person never hates their own body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife was, must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the, in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey not only to win their favor with their, when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slaves or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. 
So having heard that, I'd like to just take a second to just kind of scan yourself, take a moment to breathe, take a moment to kind of survey what's going on inside of you as you hear these ideas of submit, as we hear of kind of a hierarchy that Paul's discussing. Uh, just take a minute to just kind of acknowledge what's going on inside of you. Uh, are you frustrated? Are you totally cool with it? Uh, kind of where you're at. My main point about submission is that it's not popular. In our culture today, submission is very unpopular. Many inside and people inside the church and outside of the church actually think that these, specifically wives submit to husbands, is, a, is kind of a sexist uh, statement. Uh, we often, you know, it's been controversial for literally hundreds of years in America, since, especially since the women's rights movement, uh, which I think, just to be clear, I think God's totally behind and Jesus is totally behind the rights of women. Uh, Jesus was actually a champion of women's rights at his time and would have been known as that in his own culture of, of the day. Even Paul empowered women at his time and had them help to empower women to be, take leadership and lead certain churches. There were, there were very powerful women leaders of the churches of the time, but it's still uh, often creates a rub in us and some friction. Uh, in fact, most people today, it's like, wives submit to your husbands, and they're like, mm-mm, not me. You know, forget that. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of pushback with it. Um, I would like to just point out that times have changed a lot. You know, even uh, especially since Paul's time. Not only that, our culture is incredibly different from Paul's culture. Uh, like, for instance, we see slavery being mentioned, and just so you know, that it was about, uh, they would guess a third of the Roman population that Paul was addressing were slaves. So a huge, huge percentage. Some people say it was about 60 million people that he would be referencing here, and so he addresses them, right? He's talking to them, and many Christians were slaves at the time. So... You know, the slaves are mentioned, obviously today, if you're going home to your slave, uh, I would say treat them well and let them go. Today, if you're going home to, and that would be our message as Blue Water. And in fact, if you, if you want to have some kind of a slave, we would say don't, and you're against the will of the Lord. And we would also say like, if you're not ready to make that break, me and Vern will go over there and we will set that slave free, right? <laughs> We're very much about justice and about freedom for all slaves. So Paul talks about this because in his culture there were slaves. And in his culture it didn't make sense at that time for him to say, like, you know, slaves, just say whatever to your masters. You know, they didn't have a kind of a culture like we do today where we can free people from slavery and we can empower them and we can give them jobs and food and they can survive and they can thrive. They didn't have that culture at the time. Um, for hundreds of years, men and women, I'm sorry, hundreds of thousands of years, men and women have been living together in families. We've been creating culture. We've been coexisting. There would be no life if men and women didn't come together and then in some way decide to support one another and uh, the structure of culture. But uh, this relationship that we have now between men and women is much different than the past. So just to make it clear, the context 
that flows over all of this goes, comes from Ephesians 5, which we talked about last time, last week. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So submission is one to another, men to women, women to men. We submit to one another. Uh, the life of a Christian, regardless of whether you're male or female, is one of mutual submission. I would like to look at submission and what it means. Uh, submission, just to be clear, in our culture we often think of submission as maybe being abuse or could be abusive, but submission is not, uh, in, in this definition, it is not abusive. Submission does not mean blind obedience or being passively following. It, it does mean no longer having, uh, oh sorry, it does not mean no longer having your own opinion or losing your own voice. Hippotasso is the original Greek for submission here, and it's used a couple places, different places in the Bible. It's used three dozen times, um, like in Luke 10, when Jesus said, the, the disciples come back and they say, we're surprised that even the demons submitted in your name, like even the demons would submit. Uh, or in Titus and First Peter, Christians are required to submit to the governing bodies of their time, which were not Jewish or Christian. They weren't uh, governing bodies that were ones that believed in the one true God, and yet they were called to submit to them, uh, the believers. What I find most interesting is looking at Jesus, where it talks about Jesus and submitting. In Luke 2.51, it says, And he went down to them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things staying in her. So it talks about that he submits, Jesus submits to his own mother and his own parents. Um, if we can do it, if Jesus can do this, if he can submit, if he can choose a life, he's like God and he's choosing submittance to these earthly beings, then we can also do it, right? If Jesus has modeled something, it's easy for us to do. He lived a life, he lived the life that he expects us to live. So, uh, in this passage, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, Jesus did like three things when he showed love because it's saying that men are supposed to uh, love their wives in the way that Jesus did as a sacrifice. So first thing Jesus did, he was present. He literally showed up. Jesus could have, I guess, like sent a note, right? God could have just said like, I love you, you're awesome, you know? Everything's good between us. No, Jesus came, he showed up. He put on our flesh. He put on the reality of our life. He walked with us in relative humility. He didn't walk around like some superhero, just like, yeah. He didn't have, it doesn't say like he had like ripped abs and was just walking around and everyone's like, oh, there's Jesus. No, you could totally have missed him. He was just like a regular guy just wandering around this earth, but a regular guy doing amazing God things. He, there was nothing about his appearance that made you think, oh, this is the son of God. In fact, a lot of people missed it. He came from one of the poorest places, like this hick town, in one of the poorest places on earth at the time. 
to a conquered people. You know, they were taken over by another people. He, even his own parents questioned his authority at times. His followers lost their way. Um, and yet, he showed up and he did this humbly. If, he, if I were writing it and I were God, I would have written it differently, you know? It's like Superman flies in, lands, not all humble and can be passed up and can be overlooked. And then, last of all, he sacrificed huge. His sacrifice was uh, to the point of death. He's, Paul here is saying that we should, uh, men should sacrifice, live lovingly sacrificed lives for their wives and says, wives, you should submit to your husbands. Jesus showed both. He submitted to the powers of the time. He even submitted to his own parents. And on the other hand, he also sacrificed to the point of death. You know, talk about abuse, getting nailed to a cross, you've done nothing wrong, and being murdered. That's the worst form of abuse one could think of, right? So, just to be clear, we have a very high calling. We are called to sacrifice lovingly, without keeping record of wrong, sacrificially, to the point of death, like Jesus, and we are called to submit, like Jesus. Um, living in Christian community, I've lived with over 200 people in the eight years. I think it might be more than that. I counted just in the past two and a little, uh, like over two years that I've lived in one of the community houses, uh, K2, and I've lived with over 70 people um, in those two years. I've lived with every kind of person, you know, like literally every kind, people right out of jail, people who um, are like lawyers, you know, like really old people, like people like literally the, the day before they passed from this earth, they were at my house, you know, uh, trying to recover right off the street. And people who literally the first day that they've left the hospital, they came into my house as a little newborn baby. Um, people who are believers, people who are unbelievers, you name it, right? Every type of person. Um, and it's been really interesting, especially what's most interesting is now being married. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm building a, a wonderful life with my amazing wife uh, on one hand, and then we have this very interesting home life in the other hand. Um, living in community has been the best training for marriage. Before I went to K2, which we called K1, Kalihi House at the time, I remember about like two years into it and I was like, this isn't that fun. Like this isn't, uh, this really isn't doing it for me. Uh, I, I made one comment to a friend and I said, I feel like I'm married to about 12 people and I get none of the perks of marriage from any of them, nor do I want any of those perks from any of them. And it was quite awkward. And it was hard. And I was, there, there have been so many ways that I felt like I have submitted, that I have submitted to others around me. I remember one simple in the very beginning, like, you know, somebody was frustrated by something that I, I felt was totally fine. And I had to be like, I really don't want to change that part of myself, you know? But I did, for their sake because I wanted to be nice and because I sure wanted them to change the things that frustrated me about them. I wanted them to do the same thing, so I was like, okay, you don't want me to walk around the house with my shirt off even though I'm so in shape? At that point in my life, I was. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll put on the shirt and I'll swallow my pride. I'll put on my shirt, but as soon as I get out that door, my shirt's off. Don't worry, current roommates, that won't be happening because, you know, although this, this body's amazing. Uh, there were big sacrifices. Like more recently, I walked into my bathroom and my toothbrush, which has no business being in the bathtub, is with the toddler in the bathtub floating in his poop because he had pooped in the bathtub. And where's mom? I don't know. And I had to like pull my toothbrush out and be like, can you please address like what's going on in there? This is the day before that the two-year-old swinging around his diaper and poop is flying all over my living room. I should say our living room, not my living room. I've loaned out my vehicle quite a bit to people and there are so many dents, scrapes, like destruction of this vehicle. Sometimes people would just return it and just have stuff all over it. Just, it trashed. And I felt like those were kind of big ones and I just tried to just, you know what? We're just gonna die to that. Like, I'm gonna say like, please watch your child in the bathtub because they might drown, you know? But I'm not gonna make, try and make too huge of a deal about my toothbrush. And hey, when you borrow somebody's stuff, you should probably try and return it nicely because that's a good value in life, that will serve you well, but I'm gonna try and not make it about like, I loaned you my car and you return it this way. There's the, 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 really honestly, the harder ones have been the smaller sacrifices. The times I come home and just to be clear, this doesn't really happen in this season, so roommates, like this isn't towards you. Um, but where I come home and there's just all these dishes in the sink and I've had a long day and I'm like, none of these dishes are mine. Or the harder little sacrifice when I walk past a mess and then I know that everybody in my house walked past it for like two, three, five days and didn't clean it up, knowing that it's not their mess. So of course they're not gonna clean it up. But then in the same way, I'm then now cleaning that up. And I think they could have also cleaned that little thing up. You know, We could all do that together. It's been those little things, like that's nothing compared to Jesus' sacrifice. Like that's nothing, so what? John, shut up and wash that dish. So what, shut up and clean up that little mess. Like what does that matter in the scope of how we're supposed to sacrifice? And yet those have been the hardest ones. The daily sacrifice, the daily waking up and doing something and trying to do it out of a good place. I think that sacrifice has really helped me. It's helped kill parts of myself that needed to die, and I've changed from those interactions. Now, with my wife, I feel like I'm in a better place where I can sacrifice for her. Some of that stuff has died. Some of that stuff, I mean, of course, it always still needs to die, and it always rears its head. You know, sacrifice and dying to self is always something that pops up, and we have a choice. Do we die to it or do we ignore it? Do we choose the right way or the other way? I think there are some big enemies of submission in our life. The do-it-yourself. I think this is a, out of a good value. Like, I really like to just do things myself. I like to be responsible for myself. I like to take care of my own things. We have the value of working hard on things but there's a different idea of submission. Submission doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't mean doing it on your own. It means submitting uh, to the, the presence of another. 
the I bow to no one. This is very popular in American culture. You know, we have these bumper stickers like, don't tread on me, you know? You want to see my family? They're filled with guns, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> America. And we have this idea, the rugged individual, I don't bow to anybody, you know, give me liberty or give me death, right? These are the things that define us. N also, not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like, at times, that's exactly the right way to walk, but it's not the way that Paul is addressing here. Paul is speaking of submission, of humility. We will be very powerful people if we can also submit and get angry at the right things, get defiant about the right things. The I'm barely making it, and I just want to point out, like, some people are in very abusive situations. There is a big difference between submission and abuse. Paul even says in his passage, he says in verse 16, that we should submit as free people. We are free people. We are not people. Jesus suffered, died, was brutally murdered, but it changed the universe. It changed everything. It counted. Everything from then on was, was reoriented. In our own lives, I have this kind of rule with myself, like when I'm trying to die to something in my house, like it has to count. Like I'm willing to wash your dish, but it needs to count. And if I'm just being your maid, I think God's probably telling you, wash your own dish, you know? Learn how to be responsible, learn how to take care of that. Some people are in very abusive relationships and God's voice to you is not to stay in that relationship. God's voice to you is to get out. And a form of submittance can actually be submitting to other people who are healthy and are good and trusting them and trusting that they're going to lead you uh, into a life of, towards freedom. And last of all, the I just don't want to. I think that gets us a lot. I just don't want to. I know I should do this but I just don't want to. And we forget that our faith is not about what we want to do. Jesus didn't come and say, I'm gonna make it that you always want to do what you're supposed to do. No, that's America. They tell us that. They say, you should just, whatever you want is okay. And if you just don't like your job, you just quit. And if your marriage isn't working for you, you just pull out. And if you don't like that friend, just stop talking to him. Jesus' message is not that. This life of faith is not one of, oh, well, whatever is best for you, whatever works best for you. We don't actually know what works best for us. We don't know. We don't have an idea. We often don't know what will really bring us life. And often we just don't want to do the things of sacrifice because it feels hard, because it hurts. But submission or sacrifice, the great thing about them is that anyone can do them. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to be terribly smart. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be cool. You don't have to be popular. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have respect of other people. Anybody can submit. Anybody can say, I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna choose the way that is harder. I'm going to choose the path that I really feel like I don't wanna choose. Really any fool can do it. And I love that because most of my life I feel like a fool. Most of my life I feel like I don't really have this figured out. I don't really know what I'm doing. I think there's a real reason why we do not want to submit. I mean, I think it's hard. I think it's embarrassing. 
I think all that's true, but I think the reason why we don't want to submit when it really comes down to it is because we really don't feel like God's in charge. We really don't think that God has our back. We really don't think that when we lay down our life, we will gain a greater life in heaven. We really don't think that when we overlook and we bite back that sarcastic comment we want to say because somebody said something really rude to us, we really don't think that God sees it. When we walk past something and we say, you know what, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to sacrifice in this way. I'm going to pick up that piece of trash. I'm going to wash that dish. I'm going to do whatever it is. We really don't feel like God sees it and that it counts in his kingdom. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, which means he's watching, which means he sees all those things. This life is not about your comfort. It's not about how good you feel. It's not about how great, you know, a, a name you can make for yourself. This life is about doing the will of God and sacrifice and submission and love. The reason we really don't do it is because we think it doesn't count. We think what's most important is feeling good in this life as opposed to actually knowing that God is watching and is cheering us on and is 100% behind us, that all of heaven is at our grasp when we choose to do something of submission or through uh, sacrifice. So applications, do the small things. Submission is really a muscle. It's that like, oh, I'm just gonna do this thing. It feels really small, it feels not important. You will not jump into some huge submission unless you can do the daily submission, the daily sacrifice. It can get stronger. Pretty soon you'll be walking around like Mother Teresa. People will be like, whoa, how could you overlook that? It's not because you're so great. It's not even because Mother Teresa is so great. It's because God has set it up that if you submit in the small things, he will give you more to submit and more to submit. I really think of my friend Rachel Mather. Like if you ever see her at a party, Rachel's awesome. She's gone all over the world doing missionary work. She's terribly loving. She's one of those people, she always looks you in the eye and asks good questions, you know? She always is attentive. But I remember the early days when we were Blue Water, actually technically before we were Blue Water, and we would sit in Bible studies and we didn't have any idea what was going on. You know, me, Vern, Rachel were just like, what, what are they talking about? Like, let's just eat pizza and play games. And Rachel was incredible at parties because back then what she would do is she would always be the one washing the dishes. She would always be the one helping out. We'd be at a party, she'd be cleaning up. She'd be setting up. She'd be taking care of everything. Other people would be enjoying the food and stuff. She was just jumping into service. And now she's this powerful missionary who's gone to places that most of us, I mean, I was there for like a month in Bangladesh where she was and I hardly made it that month. And she was there for years, just as a champion. And it started small. It started with a little thing. Whatever virtue you build up in life is what you can pass on. So whatever you do, whatever you sacrifice for, whatever little thing, you can then pass to other people. And God has set it up that authority is built through sacrifice. So authority in God's kingdom isn't through like going to seminary, isn't through like training, isn't through all those kind of things. Authority is built through your personal sacrifice. Nobody really wants to hear about your degree that much, most people. 
Nobody really wants to hear how, like, but I've, I'm, I've been honored in this way. They want to hear about how you have sacrificed and changed your life to help another. And I would say sacrifice leads to love and power. God set it up that he wants his reputation to be in the people that are the most sacrificial. He wants his power to be shown through people who are most sacrificial. So the more that you sacrifice, the more that you grow in authority and the more you grow in God's power and in relationship with him. I think this is one of the upside down things of the gospel. You know, like you don't grow in Jesus's power by like looking cool and doing the cool things. You grow in Jesus's power and authority by doing the hard things, by doing the little things, by submitting and personal sacrifice. I love Mother Teresa. She was respected. First of all, she went to the poorest, one of the poorest countries and served the poor. And her mission was like, oh, nobody should die alone. So she would take these poor people and she would give them a place to, to pass away or try and help people get out of poverty. But that was kind of her mission. And she was respected by Protestants, Catholics, Muslims, Hindus, atheists, you name it. Like people respected her because day in and day out, she woke up she took that smelly person off the street, she took them to somewhere and she cared for them. And she built a whole life around that. I also just wanna take a minute to acknowledge, like, you know, it's Mother's Day, and I know that makes some women who are out there who are not mothers, and there's so much pressure to get married and to find a husband and to have children in our culture. Or there are also lots of women who have broken families. I also wanna point out, Mother Teresa, she never got married. She didn't need no man to do this. She never had kids. She stayed celibate her whole life. She's one of the most powerful women in the world. And some of us are sitting out there and we're thinking like, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm not really a full woman yet because I haven't gotten married or, or like my first goal is to get married. No, God has a mission for your life. It might include marriage or it might not. But notice Mother Teresa, like we can walk that path. God may, probably has a different calling for your life than Mother Teresa, but maybe it's the same. And maybe it starts by doing something similar to what Mother Teresa tried. What I love most about Mother Teresa, she had all this favor. Like she could basically walk into the White House. Like she just went into the White House for the like prayer thing. And she like yelled at uh, the, the Clintons and was just like, you're killing babies. And like, don't kill babies anymore. Give them to me. I will take them all. I will take any children and stop doing it, and you are not in favor with God. Now, if I walked in there, first of all, I couldn't get in the White House, but if I'm like, stop doing that, and I'll take it, they'd be like, get out of here, you know? We don't know who you are. She lived a life, she lived a life of sacrifice. It felt such authority in her. She could walk anywhere. She also went to the Pope, which in some ways is harder to reach than our president. The Pope at the time, John Paul, and she had this priest that she really wanted to bring with her to meet John, Pope John Paul. Well, there are like, you have to have like a passport to get into the Vatican and then that part of the Vatican. And then she just like brought him through security. She's like, no, he's with me. And they're like, they're all turning bright red, like all the people who are in charge of his security, Pope John Paul. And she walks him right into his personal living room and is like, of course, he's bright red by the time, you know, he's so embarrassed by this. Like, Mother Teresa just basically broke every rule that there is to bring me in front of Pope John Paul, and now I'm just, like, flushed and feel awkward. 
she could get access basically to anywhere because of the life she lived, because of the way that she chose to uh, orient her life. Some of my favorite quotes by her, I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. The miracle is not that we do this work, but that we are happy to do it. Incredible. Um, sure, I'll tell this story. Um, when I was, uh, years ago, I met this wonderful woman on the street, uh, Meredith, and she lived outside of the um, courthouse. And for years, I just kind of would say like, hey, if you want to come stay, awful things would happen to her. Uh, she would be attacked sometimes in the night. Somebody like hit her over the head with a bat as she was sleeping. Somebody started her belongings on fire. I said, Auntie, if you want somewhere to go at night like that's safe, you could come to our house. You could at least shower. And then um, they were clearing out the homeless people of the area that she lived. She had lived there for eight years. And so she said, you know what? I'll come to your house. And she slept on the couch. And she just kind of stayed there. And it was a transition for our house at the time. Our landlord at the time was selling it to a new landlord who had said that he'd keep us on as tenants. And I told her, like, they're coming, just so you know, just, you know, it's cool, you don't have to move. At this point, she was getting quite sick with cancer. She said, fine. And then I come back from school and she says, um, they were very nice and I made sure to tell them that I'm a homeless woman and that you were so nice and you just let me sleep on your couch. <laughs> I was like, oh. I didn't even think to like tell her, don't say anything. Like, just be like, We're, I'm auntie, you know? Oh, I'm just here for the day, like relaxing. So I was really worried that my, my landlord was going to like cause, like kick us out, you know? Be like, look, you can't just like take any random person and have them sleep in your house. Like, that's insane. And that's fair for a landlord to say. Like, it's his property. He doesn't want like everybody just coming in and out. That's fair. Well, months later, Meredith passes away. There's a big article in the paper. He reads it. He recognizes her. He puts it all together. He calls me, and he's calling me, and I'm driving to church, and I'm just like, at this point, our willingness and, I guess, ability to take in people had just expanded. We had, like, a different person maybe every night, like, homeless people, whatever. The rule was, like, anyone could bring anybody home whenever they wanted, like... There's all these people. And my landlord calls me, and I'm like, oh, no. And I'm driving to church, and I'm lecturing God, you know, like, God, you know, I'm trying to do the right things. Now my landlord's going to kick me out. I can't handle this. And I'm talking to him, and he's asking all these questions, question after question, like, so wait, you, you took care of Meredith? Like, did you guys, like, feed her? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, you know we, we always have enough food. Wait, so you paid for her bills? Well, you know, it's what, yeah, I mean, we, we have enough to go around. It's no big deal. You know, just trying to deflect it. And I'm like, just get to the point, which is that we have to move out. Or worse yet, that he asks me and says, please promise me that you won't do this again. And I'm like, I can't make that promise. You know, I got to be true to my word. I'm lecturing God with one part of my mind, just like, come on, God. Like, I'm trying to do the right things. And then finally he gets to it and he says, I want to give you money towards that. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was so ready to just be like infuriated and come to church and just be like, Fern, you got to pray for me. Like, it's just set me back. No, like 
I got something that I didn't deserve and I didn't expect. And look, by all means, you guys know me. I'm no Mother Teresa. I'm no saint. Like, you know, many of you have lived with me. You know who I am, right? I'm just a guy. But what I loved seeing at that moment was that God showed up. And God shows up when we make little sacrifices. And we might get something that we don't expect. We might have our unbelieving landlord give us money and give us a break as opposed to a lecture and kick us out. So I challenge you, sacrifice for someone. Right now in your head, you're thinking of somebody that you should sacrifice for or submit, probably. Whether you're married or not, whether you like that person or not, go from here and do that. Like, actually do it. It will create power and freedom. Jesus tells us that we should even love our enemies. So if for some reason you're like, that person is my enemy, I just can't stand them, Jesus still says, oh, sorry, you got to love them. You have to. That's what makes us Christians. That's what makes us who we are. I would even say this. If you're not so sure about Christ, you're not so sure about this thing, try it. Because you can't do it on your own. Try it and see what God does. See how God moves you. So Blue Water Mission, I learned for, yearn for a day when we, are call, when we are what we are called to be. Christians used to lay down their lives. Our witness in the world was something more than trendy t-shirts and cool bumper stickers. Our brave forefathers believed in such a way that they joyfully and full of praise would lay down their lives. They would be beheaded, crucified, burned, eaten alive by lions, you name it. Our history is filled with these sold out giants of faith. And today we stumble into church 20 minutes late, feeling low, feeling like it's kind of about us. In Acts, we hear the early Christians, they shared everything in common. There were no needy persons among them. Every now and then somebody would come and they would sell all they had. They would lay it at the apostles' feet. And they would say, use it for good. Use it. It says that there were no needy persons in their whole town. They took care of everyone's poor. Today we have, in America, 63 million Christians, it says. And yet there are only... Where is my note? It was a half a million. That's it. So there are 36 million Christians. Good thing I remembered it. There are only half a million homeless people in America. We could actually end homelessness, church. But the problem in life really isn't that the church can change, the change of the church. The problem in life is that we can change and we don't. The problem in life isn't that the church needs to do something. The problem in life is that we need to do something and we just don't for whatever reason. We just don't. We can change the people around us. But more importantly, that change starts with ourselves. We really can't change someone else. We can only change ourselves. Change begins in our own marriages, in our own homes, in our own families. It starts here and it starts right now. It starts right where we're at. 
So I encourage you, whether it's a big submission or little, whether it's a big sacrifice or little, do that. Like, do it today. Like, don't wait till like next week and then you hear the sermon and then you're like, oh, I didn't do that thing. Do it today. There's nothing maybe more important for you to do. And I think part of the reason what we need to hear is also some of us, we've tried sacrificing. We've done it. We've tried loving somebody. We tried submitting to somebody. We've tried the things of God and it just didn't work. So I want to tell you, get back up. Christians have always been the people that got back up. They got back up until one day some of them were crucified and then they would rise in heaven. But we never are people who just stay down. We're never people who just, oh, whatever. Like, I'll just have a, a fraction of faith. I'll just have a little bit. No, we are the people who change the world. That's our calling. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power in you. And that power can for sure help you get back up and try again. So it's not too late to be the Christians that we should be known to be. It's not too late for us to be a brave people where one day we will be spoken of. And what will be talked about us is not how cool we were, not how educated, not how attractive, what will be talked about us, if we do our work right, is how well we sacrificed and submitted to one another and to God. Lord, I thank you for your presence. And I pray, Lord, that uh, any challenge that we feel, Lord, that you would stir what needs to be challenged and that any challenge we fear that, feel that's not from you would fall away. Let us be light to the earth, light to the world, Lord, and salt of the earth. Amen.